Welcome in to the first episode of Joe Thomas's Film Room. I'm your host, Andrew Gribble, and over the coming weeks, Browns great Joe Thomas will join me to break down some of the best pass rushers he's ever gone up against. Today, we kick off the series talking about arguably the best pass rusher in the game, two-time defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald of the Los Angeles Rams. All right, Joe, this is one of the most disruptive players in the NFL right now, and Aaron Donald, he's kind of a a different kind of athlete, a, a smaller player at the defensive tackle position, but really a guy that's inspiring teams to look for the next Aaron Donald because of how disruptive he is in the middle of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is uh, an incredible talent, incredibly strong, powerful, quick, uses his hands really well. He flips his hips to be able to get past defenders and close the distance to the quarterback. It's interesting, when he was coming out in the draft, he actually slid. I mean, he was still a, a mid-first-round pick, but he slid down to where he finished because they thought he was too small to play inside, uh, which is funny because actually one of his best attributes right now is his height and his smallness, even though we wouldn't normally think 6'2", 280 is small, but for an inside defensive tackle, that's a smaller player. But he uses that leverage to his advantage. It's really hard for bigger linemen to get underneath his pads, to get their hands inside on him, and to be able to stop his forward momentum. So he really uses that shortness of stature, that leverage, that powerful leg drive that he has to his advantage to be the best inside pass rusher, inside defensive tackle in the NFL, and probably one of the best of all time. Yeah, and now with the NFL, the way things have evolved, quarterbacks getting the ball out a lot quicker. Some of these outside pass rushers don't have the time to even get to the quarterback because the ball's getting out so quick. How much can an interior pass rusher like this disrupt, and how much more important are guys like this going to be as the game keeps evolving? That's been the conversation in the NFL for the last five or so years because you see all these quarterbacks, they're not dropping deep in the pocket anymore like they used to. They're throwing the ball much quicker. There's far fewer seven-step drops just from the shotgun, and those outside pass rushers are having a harder time getting there. Whereas in the old days, there was a lot of seven-step drops. Quarterbacks were pretty much nine and a half, ten yards deep, standing there like statues on almost every play. Think Kurt Warner, greatest show on turf from the early 2000s. And those outside pass rushers, they could have a field day because they line up wide, they run to that spot ten yards behind the center, and that's where the quarterback's going to be every time. You had a lot less play-action passes that you see the – the 49ers doing with Kyle Shanahan, you see the Rams doing it, you see the Falcons. A lot of these really good offenses are throwing a heavy dose of play action in there, which is taking the place of some of these just seven-step dropbacks where the quarterback's holding the ball. So because of the changes in the NFL, the inside pass rush has become a lot more important because his distance to where the quarterback is is a lot shorter than it is from the outside pass rusher, the defensive end position. Additionally, what we're seeing, and Miles Garrett is seeing a lot of this right now, is when you have a good edge pass rusher, it's really easy to put a tight end in there and bang him right off the line of scrimmage or to add a running back or to turn the line in his direction. So you can get two-on-ones really easily on those outside guys, and because of how far they have to go, that extra half a second when the tight end hits them before they can get started and get working towards the quarterback really almost eliminates their ability to get any type of a sack. And a lot of times what you'll see is once those outside pass rushers do get that double team, they kind of almost stop on that player. They'll try to loop inside because they know they don't have a chance to get up the field and get the sack because the quarterback's not that deep anymore and he's throwing the ball much quicker. But that's why the Aaron Donalds are so important because – From an inside standpoint, it's really hard to get a double team on a three technique, which is that technique where you line up right 
on the outside of an offensive guard. And that's typically where Aaron Donald shows up. The tackle can't come down and double team for the most part because then you've got a tight end blocking the defensive end. All you can really try to do is send the center in that direction, but if the center's always turning towards their good pass rusher, it opens up a lot of issues for the guys on the other side because now you always have one-on-ones with your off guard and then your other tackle. In, in addition, if your center's always turning in one direction, what you get a lot is these uh, tackle-tackle games on the inside. So if I know I'm Alex Mack and he's always turning towards Aaron Donald in this game, they're going to try to penetrate with that offside uh, nose guard and get to Alex's hip and then run those inside games, which are a lot more effective when you know which direction the center is moving. So it's a lot harder to double team those inside guys than it is the outside guys. Another reason why Aaron Donald has been so effective. Yeah, and you know, not a lot of teams, we always talk about the big contracts that tackles get, and we talk about the, the pass rushes that get, they go up against, but not many teams have a Joel Petonio at guard. I mean, this is an area where Aaron Donald can be matched yeah. up with a guy he can really take advantage of. And even as we watch some of this film, I mean, Joel Petonio is really good, mm -hmm. and he, he made life pretty miserable for him. Yeah, it's, it's a tough matchup for any guard. Um, Joel's a really good athlete, so that's, from Aaron's perspective, probably one of the harder matchups right. he's going to see all year because if you have a big, fat, sloppy guard, Aaron <laughs> Donald's going to just beat him with quickness. If you have a skinny guard who's athletic, Aaron's going to run you over. So that's one of the things, if you want to be a Hall of Fame or a Pro Bowl-level defensive lineman, you've got to be able to beat guys with speed and quickness, and you've got to be able to beat guys with just overpowering them. Because you're going to see offensive linemen that are big and sloppy and strong, and you're going to see offensive linemen that are skinny and weak but great athletes, and you've got to be able to beat them with whatever their weakness is. Yeah, and unfortunately for, for you, you only had to face him once. Thankfully. The Browns don't have to face the Rams all that often either, so he's not on the schedule very much. He's on the schedule in 2019, so watch out for that. But if you just watch, roll through here, this is his second year in the NFL. He'd already started making an impact. What about him on these kind of plays are you seeing where he's just totally disrupting what you're trying to do? Yeah, so just watching this play from the start you can see how much quicker Aaron is getting off the ball just watching the get off which is defensive line coach term for when the ball is snapped how quickly are you reacting as a defensive player and moving and if we watch Aaron Donald on this you can see how much sooner he is reacting than the rest of his line mates now the average person would say oh that's a split second well in the game of football in the trenches a split second is the difference between a sack and not even coming close to the quarterback. Additionally, it's all about getting your feet in the ground. For an offensive lineman, you oftentimes want to get two feet in the ground before you make contact because that'll give you a base and give you balance. If you're only going to get one foot in the ground, that means you're on one leg, which puts you off balance and then gives the defensive lineman the advantage and then he can kind of dictate to you. So it's all about getting that first step in the ground. So you can see Aaron's inside foot is back. He's taking that longer first step but it's quick and he's able to get it in the ground quickly and get into Joel's pads. So as an offensive guard, Joel is trying to keep Aaron away from his pads because that's where he can kind of control where he goes. Once that defensive lineman is up into Joel's pads, it makes it really difficult for him to be able to push him off. And right now we're seeing what's known as a TE, which is a tackle end stunt where the tackle goes up the field and the end tries to loop around. It's up to the guard to be able to push the defensive tackle over to the offensive tackle so that I can pass it off with Joel. But you see right here, in spite of us attempting to pass it off and in spite of me trying to set back and square, which gives us the best opportunity to pass it off, 
because Aaron penetrates so quickly and up into Joel's pads so soon, he's not able to give him the punch and he's not able to send Aaron across to me for me to be able to grab him with my inside arm and actually throw him back outside to where I am so that Joel can get passed off onto the looper who is Robert Quinn in this situation. And what you see and what Josh McCown recognizes is now what you have is both defensive linemen are inside of the offensive tackle, which is the A and the B gap. So the C gap is now open. So a good athlete like Josh McCown, he's able to see that now these guys are in his face, and a lot of times that causes issues for a quarterback, but it has opened up that C gap for Josh to be able to escape and to get outside the pocket and make some plays. If you have a stiff quarterback like, let's say, a Tom Brady, even a Drew Brees, they're not as good at being able to see this and escaping and throwing on the run. So a team like the St. Louis Rams at this time aren't going to be as concerned about letting a quarterback get outside the pocket. Now, if Baker Mayfield's back there, there's no way they're going to run this game and allow two guys inside and then let the quarterback get outside because we all know how dangerous Baker is at throwing once he's outside the pocket. So what you're going to see here is once I realize that uh, Aaron has not been sent all the way over to me and we're not going to be able to pass this off, I'm just trying to wash all three guys, Joel and both defenders, inside into the pocket to be able to give Josh the space he needs to be able to escape and try to make a play down the field. And if you look, he, for a split second, if Josh was actually looking back to his right, which you're not, a, not supposed to really throw back across the field, but uh, you got Travis Benjamin running down the field with his arm up saying, throw. hey, I can see, I can see I'm open. It is a tough throw, and the window is short because if you pause it right here, everyone's going to say, oh, look at Travis. But by the time the ball goes 50 yards in the air that it's supposed to, this offside corner safety right here is going to be able to play back and to fall back onto that deep route. And so for Josh, he would have had to throw it even before this to get it there to beat that safety or corner that's fallen off kind of from the, the, uh, the boundary there. So Josh makes a wise decision and just kind of tucks it and gets what he can. The very next play we're going to watch actually is another TE game over Joel and I, but Joel does a much better job sending Aaron Donald all the way over to me. And actually, you notice that Aaron doesn't get off the snap quite as quickly, so it gives Joel an opportunity to extend his arms, put, his, put Joel's hands on Aaron's shoulder pads, send them all the way out to me. But the other side has a little bit of trouble with the, uh, the game on here. They're running a, a nose end game on the right side, and even though it's a three on two, they're not able to get off fast enough. And then even though the left side has been taken care of in this case for unlike the previous time, the right side's given Josh pressure in his face, which no quarterback wants to have a big, strong defensive end screaming down his face here right when he's trying to make a tight throw to Gary Barnridgler with the amazing catch across the middle of the field. But that just shows a little bit of Josh McCown's toughness. He's not able to step into this throw. He knows he's about to get smoked in the lower leg, but he still throws a really good pass to Gary and gets it in there for the first down. Yeah, you mentioned the, the get-off thing with, with Aaron Donald and how it was different on the first play than the second play. You clearly can't do it every single snap. Mm -hmm. But is there anything offenses can do to mess with a guy that has that split second yeah. get-off time? And, and how much harder is it to do when you're in their home stadium? Yeah, so another guy that always had a really excellent get-off who is known for it was Kyle Williams from the Buffalo Bills. And whenever we would play him, we would always make an emphasis that week that we were going to change up the snap count a lot. 
we were going to go on one, we were going to go on two, we were going to go on a hard three, we were going to go on quick count. Because the more you switch up the snap count and you don't give him any of those pre-snap triggers for him to understand when the snap was going to come, the better it was and the more likely you were going to gain that half a split second that he needs to be able to get off the field and, and turn the advantage in his favor from the start. You talk about the size and, and clearly everyone held that against him in the draft process, but what, when someone is that kind of freak and that small, what, what kind of advantage does he have by being that small against you guys? Yeah, so mostly offensive linemen in the NFL are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", and a lot of times the better ones, they're, they're going to be good athletes. They're going to bend really well too, but um, Aaron is short, really super powerful, explosive, and he plays low. And so an offensive lineman, in order to win the leverage battle, has to be even lower and then get your hands even lower to get down there. And a lot of times, the lower you go, the more you have to bend, the slower you're going to be. It's just natural. If you get down into like a little frog stance, you're not going to be able to move as quickly as you just if you're in a nice athletic stance and you just had a little bit of a knee bend. So he forces guys out of their comfort zone. And then in order to get that low to try to stop his leverage, a lot of times it opens you up for a lot of his good counter moves that he's built off of some of his regular pass rushes. When you mentioned that this is his second year, He's now in, entering kind of the prime of his career, just signed that big contract. What is he doing now that you're seeing on the field that maybe you didn't see on, on film in these yeah. games? Yeah, so I think to the average person, you'd watch him and you'd probably say he's pretty much the same player, but the small details and the reaction time that he's going to make going from his first move to his counter move, to me is what really stands out. So if he's going to go and he's going to slap and he's going to try to rip if that took you know a tenth of a second in his second year and he's going to go slap rip and then he's going to come back to the club maybe it took him another tenth of a second to get to his second move he's cut that in half so now he, instead of being two tenths of a second to get to his second move he's doing it in 0.15 seconds which you know it doesn't sound like a lot but that for an offensive lineman could be the difference of having his second foot in the ground or having one foot in the air and when you have one foot in the air, now you're out of balance and that, now you're getting thrown down like a cheap suit versus having two feet in the ground and being able to just get your hands on them and lock on them. So I just think his reaction time in a game to be able to see what the offensive lineman is trying to do to him, to break it down and to be able to move from, did my first move win? Okay, it didn't win. I'm moving to my second move has sped up even quicker than it already was. Yeah, and what helps him more? Now, now they have Indomitian Sue out there, which just seems unfair to have those kind of guys <laughs> as defensive tackles, but what makes him more dangerous? Would it be an elite pass rusher on one side, or is it Sue on the other side on that defensive tackle spot? You know, um, to me, it's having another good edge rusher because that causes a lot of problems. Um, Sue's a good run defender, and... He's very strong, but he doesn't have the quick get-off that teams worry about from that inside position. And so I don't think he's had as much of an impact as people want to say he has with Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald's just playing the best we've ever seen from an interior pass rusher position. Um, if they would have, like, a Miles Garrett out there, it wouldn't even be fair because now what you'd have to do is turn the center to Aaron Donald, so you'd always try to have a three-on-two over there, and then you'd have to give – another tight end or another running back or somebody else in protection to the other side to help with miles. So you're losing two extra guys all the time and almost every one of your protections just to try to 
manage their pass rush. So you're going to have an, a guy less in the pass routes, which makes your coverage better because you've got an extra defender. And it would just be unstoppable if they had like an edge rusher like Miles. Yeah, and is, can you credit Aaron Donald for helping guys like Joel and, and Kevin Zeitler and everyone get these bigger contracts? Because it seems like sure, guards absolutely. are getting paid more. I mean, like, this, is a, yeah. this, this is kind of a, a – he's him, Geno Atkins. These guys are revolutionary players, I feel like, at the position. It is funny when you watch the NFL. You see maybe 20 years ago we had these Reggie White defensive ends, and then when I was a rookie, Mario Williams – it was all about getting these really big, tall, physical, fast Julius Peppers defensive ends because what had happened, uh, or excuse me, when you had those big defensive ends, um, all of a sudden then the offensive tackles got really big. You got your Jonathan Ogdens, you know, uh, your Willie Rofes, these really, really massive offensive tackles. Then the new generation of pass rushers came in, the Von Millers, the Dwight Freenies, those smaller, skinnier speed guys that we're going to try to, the James Harrisons, take advantage of these huge, massive offensive tackles. And so now what you have is these smaller, more athletic, dominant interior defensive linemen, a la Aaron Donald. And then you have to find really, really athletic, strong offensive guards to be able to block guys like that. And so your Joel Batonios, your Kevin Seitlers, they're getting paid the big bucks because Aaron Donald's making $23 million a year wrecking shop from the inside, and offensive teams have to come up with some type of answer for an Aaron Donald. For the young, aspiring Aaron Donalds out there, mm-hmm. is there is, is what he's doing out there God-given, or is there mm-hmm. some, some hard work, what he does behind the scenes that makes him as good as good? Anybody in the NFL is going to be a blend of great genetics and hard work. I'm sure Aaron Donald works hard. (laughs) I guarantee he works hard. But he's not Aaron Donald without the genetic code and makeup (laughs) that he has. And that's the same thing with any great player. I've yet to see any Pro Bowl player that didn't have any great amount of talent. Like, (laughs) let's just be honest. Everyone wants the myth to be how hard they work and they work themselves into this. But... Look, Aaron Donald is probably a six or seven hundred pound squatter if he hasn't been in the weight room for two years. He's just absolutely a genetic freak. And then you pair that with being a great hard worker and a smart player. That's what turns you into the best defensive player in the NFL. Yeah, and at the time of where we're we're filming this, he leads the NFL in sacks. And I can't remember the last time an interior lineman has done that. I mean, do you think that's something he can replicate, or are the Miles Garretts and, and Von Millers of the world, are they going to get back to, to wreck and shop at, at the court? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Like I mentioned, the offenses, the way they've changed, the way that offense is now more focused on the short, quick passes, and you're going to run the play-action stuff to get the ball down the field. That's neutralized a lot of the edge pass rush, but you still have this issue with the inside pass rusher. So unless offenses change, which... They're scoring a lot of points, so I don't see them changing a lot in the near future. I think that Aaron's going to be this disruptive force for many years to come. There's really no slowing him down and unless offenses come up with some new type of a blocking scheme where they maybe hit him with a fullback out of the backfield. or The only thing I could think of is you just line up a fullback in the gap between the guard and the tackle, but deep enough where he's still an eligible receiver. And so you're going to give your guard help in that gap. Somehow you... You maybe even bring in an extra offensive lineman. This is something that Bill Belichick would try because he doesn't care if he gets criticism in the media. He's willing to try something new like that. So 
this could be one of those things where you see Bill Belichick try something new. And if it works, then it's a copycat league and everybody's going to try it. But uh, I don't see anybody slowing Aaron Donald down and the amazing rate which he's sacking quarterbacks, which is more than one per game, is incredible. His team is always in the lead, it seems. Does that, that change? Helps. That, change that helps. If you're playing on a team that sucks and you're not playing with the lead, that's when it's hard to get sacks. And this is one thing I've been telling Browns fans since Miles got here. As a rookie, he didn't have a ton of sacks. Granted, he had the injuries, but because we weren't winning games. Sacks usually come when speaking from a defensive standpoint, your team is in the lead mm. because that forces the offense to stand back there and the quarterback to hold on to the ball and throw it. If it's close or if your team is in the lead, your offense is going to have the ball and the quarterback is taught not to take sacks because that's when turnovers happen. That's when drives get stopped. So he's going to stand back there and as soon as he gets the ball, he's going to go for one, two, three, the ball's out. So even if the defensive linemen are not blocked, they're not going to get a sack. So Miles, when he was a rookie, he was consistently beating his man, but he wasn't getting those opportunities with the lead, with a quarterback that has to hold on to the football, throwing the ball down the field. But now that the Browns are starting to win some games, we're starting to see that Miles is getting those sacks. He's getting those opportunities that when he beats his man, the quarterback is hanging on to the ball. The quarterback is throwing the football in the fourth quarter because that team does need to keep throwing to keep pace with the Browns offense. Do you think we're ever in a situation where a guy like this wins the MVP? I know there's been there's been talk about it that he should yeah. he really is the MVP of the Rams. I mean, is, is, do you believe in that? It's a it's a tough discussion, and I go back and forth in my head because on one hand, nobody in my generation that I can remember has ever played defensive tackle better than Aaron Donald is playing right now. So you have to say that he's doing his job so much better than his peers that he has to get consideration. He's also at an impact position, right? There was a left tackle a few years ago named Walter Jones, and there was a big article in like early 2000s that he was the best player in the NFL because he was playing left tackle so well that he was doing his job better with, with more margin between him and the number two guy than any other position in football. But when you're the left tackle, you have such a small impact on the game. Mm. All you can do is block the guy that's <laughs> over you, no matter how good you are, no matter if you were uh, 12 feet tall and 700 pounds and ran a 3940. You can only block the guy across from you. When you have the football in your hands or from a defensive standpoint, you're affecting the guy with the football in his hands, potentially in every play you're having a big impact. So I can easily make a case that this guy is the MVP of the league. At the same time, if you didn't have Jared Goff on offense, would you be the same player that you are right now? Would you have the impact on the game that you do right now? Um, I don't know, because quarterback still has so much more impact on the outcome of every single game than any other position. So uh, if there's ever a non-quarterback that wins MVP, it should be Aaron Donald this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll settle for Super Bowl MVP, which is probably a lot more realistic. Than that. I, I would say so, but I, I tell you what, the momentum that Aaron Donald has been getting for MVP, it's been pretty impressive, and it's been as loud of a uh, drumbeat for a non-quarterback MVP as I can ever remember. Thanks for listening to this episode of Joe Thomas's Film Room. Next week, join us as we break down the great James Harrison. For Joe Thomas, I'm Andrew Gribble. Thanks for listening.